Hi, friends. Welcome to the Rock Your Joy podcast. I'm your host, Anya Rock, a woman, artist, entrepreneur, mom, and high-performance coach. I'm working on becoming the best version of myself and inspiring others to do the same. This is my invitation to you to be part of the collective shifting of consciousness. Let's choose love. Let's choose joy. And let's rock your joy one day at a time. Hi, friends. Welcome back. I'm excited to share today's episode with you because it really strikes at the heart of what so many of you have been handling, managing, and working through over the last 11 months. We are nearly a full year into a global pandemic, which has disproportionately affected working mothers. There's no doubt that the burden of childcare and remote learning has fallen more heavily on women, on mothers, than on fathers. A Fortune magazine article titled, Women Account for 100% of the 140,000 Jobs Shed by the U.S. Economy in December, probably didn't surprise you. At some point, it just becomes too much, and women are dropping out of the workforce. Not to mention, Black and Latina mothers who are working in retail, restaurants, and other essential sector services that have been disproportionately laid off amid pandemic lockdowns and business closures. They are also juggling childcare, remote learning, and now lack of work. My guest today is on a mission to help reverse some of that trend. Annie Warshaw is CEO and co-founder of Mission Propel. She's a fierce advocate for gender equity and for the past seven years has been running operations for the company, overseeing partnerships with over a hundred schools in Chicago. She now manages corporate partnerships for their new product, Equity Consulting. She is a gender justice professor at Roosevelt University and an activist in her community. She is also mom to a three and a half year old, a 19 month old, and is due with their third in March. Welcome to the show, Annie. Thank you so much for having me today. Thanks for being here. Um, so how are you today? <laughs> Let's start with the basics. <laughs> today is an okay day. I'm pretty good. Um, I'm 25 weeks pregnant and running a preschool in the morning. So sometimes my patience is a little thin. And this was one of those mornings. But over than that, I'm, I'm doing good. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Yes. I remember 25 weeks. It's no joke. <laughs> yeah. And I have two little ones. So it's just like, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> the full house. The full yeah. house. I love it. Um, so tell us a little bit about Mission Propel and your mission as part of it. Um, give us the, the scoop on how you came to be. Um, so Mission Propel as to what it is right now in this moment, it looks very different than what it was. How long have we been in the pandemic? Nine months? Nine months. So um, for the past six and a half years prior to the pandemic, Mission Propel was the largest after-school enrichment provider in the state. And what we did was teach kindergartners through fifth graders about gender equity using yoga and original storybooks. And so we were in over 100 schools, impacted over 10,000 kids, boys and girls, and things were going really well. And then the pandemic hit and schools closed and our business closed. And while, you know, people thought, oh, we should all hop online, the reality of it is, is like kids and parents 
and everyone are zoomed out. And so there really wasn't a viable business for us there. And Jill and I were like, okay, what do we want to do to stop being reactive and rather really take our business and, and be proactive? And so we looked around at the landscape of what was happening and we realized that you know, all of our friends were really struggling with having their kids home and we weren't. And in fact, our lives got exponentially easier when the pandemic hit because our partners were home. Uh, Jill and I have always taken care of our kids full time without pretty much having childcare here and there, having a babysitter um, and running the business full time. So we realized that there is obviously this huge need to keep moms from dropping out of the workforce because we're seeing them drop off in insane numbers. And so we developed a consulting company that is now called Mission Propel to keep moms from dropping out of the workforce. So we officially launched that in July. And since that launch, we've really done a lot of work as to what Mission Propel is. So Mission Propel now is working to keep moms from dropping out of the workforce. And all of the yoga work we had been doing is under a new brand, which is called uh, Youth Alliance Yoga or Yay. So that was a very long story because it's been a very long year and there's been a lot of shifts. Well, and you have pivoted beautifully. Thank you. Uh, I kind of watched because I know the previous Mission Propel. So what is now Yay, the Youth Alliance Alliance. Yoga. Yoga. Um, because I went through the program and got to know kind of you and Jill from that, that piece. Um, so I watched you and I thought it was really fascinating. Tell us a little bit about, so you said moms are dropping out of the workforce and is that just because of the demands of, you know, suddenly having all of the things on our plate, um, and none of the tools and kind of, how are you addressing that specifically? Yeah. So if you look at the New York Times or Washington Post every single day, you are seeing an, you know, an article about the quote unquote, she session. Um, And the minute the pandemic started, scholars knew that this was going to happen. And it was inevitable because the inequities that exist in our society and the way that we have structured society is that women are still the primary caregivers, even though they might be the primary earners or whatever that is. And we are burdened with having to not only do the physical labor in our home, but the mental work as well. Um, So when you combine all of those things, right, like the primary caretaking of your kids, um, taking care of your home and having to work full time, it, it becomes insufferable, quite frankly, and unsustainable. And as you mentioned, skills, if you don't have the skills to manage all of those things, which most people don't because we haven't needed to, right? We lived in very compartmentalized lives. So you could do all those things before, but at least when you were at work, you were at work. Then you came home, you did your home, you did your kids stuff. Now all of those things became decompartmentalized. And as a result, parents, specifically moms, have had to make a really tough choice as to what, how am I going to make this sustainable? And the one thing I can get rid of is my job, right? Like I can't, I might be able to get rid of my partner, but I'm never going to not be a parent. Um, and so the choice has been boiled down to that. And women are dropping out in insane numbers right now. They're saying the workforce is going to be depleted to what it was in 1988. And so when we think about this, this is not just a short term, oh, the vaccine is coming, everything's going to be fine. This is a very, it's going to have very big long term implications. 
that will not only affect our generation, but our kids as well, quite frankly, because we're going to have to build back up an entire workforce that values women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so how do you see Mission Propel being a solution to that? I know you're you're really focused on kind of equity education. Um, are you going to the employer as well? Like how does how do you fit into that puzzle? Yeah, so the conversation has very much been about this is what's happening and there hasn't been a lot of conversations about solutions. So what Mission Propel has pivoted to do is to provide those solutions. We're the only company taking a two-pronged approach. So we believe that yes, policies need to shift in the workplace, but you also have to create sustainable systems within your home. And if you don't do those things in tandem, then sustainability isn't really something that can be achieved. Um, And I could go into why that happens. So what we do is we work with corporations and large nonprofits, and we coach their employees on how to create a sustainable system within their home. So by the end of our coaching sessions, they are walking out with this very detailed schedule that permits them to have time for themselves, to have quality time with their kids, to be productive in their work, um, and to have a more equitable home. And then we take the data that we collect from our coaching. So we have a pre and post survey. We take it, analyze it with Roosevelt University, turn it back to the corporation and say, okay, we took care of the home. Here's what you need to shift policy-wise if you want to sustain your employees and show them that you actually do value them. It sounds like a dream. <laughs> All <laughs> yeah. the things you said, like time for myself, time for my kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it is doable. You just have to be really strategic about that. And and most parents were not teachers. Jill and I were, right? So we we know what was going on in school that permitted your kid to succeed. And as something we always say to parents, it's like that was ripped away from them. And if you're not putting that structure in place for them, you know, in the absence of that, you're going to be met with resistance. You're going to have a lot of struggles. Um, And so we can help you learn how to build all of those things for your family and think really strategically about your time. Because one of the reasons that we know a lot of moms are dropping out, it's not that they're necessarily actually being less productive, but they feel they're being less productive and they feel a lot of guilt. So we help them really unpack that and help them really strategically use their time. So if you only have three hours to work, you can get it all done. You have to think about what type of work am I doing within those three hours and how am I using those minutes? And so we really help um, our clients figure that out. Mm. And have you, um, what's been, what's been the response both from a corporate level and then from, I mean, I can imagine that moms and parents are eager for this kind of guidance. Yeah. And if you found the same within, um, because they're the, the corporations or the companies are losing talent, right? So they must also be interested in retrieving that. So how has that been met? Uh, so in my dream world, right, they would see that they're losing talent and their, their interest would be peaked. But unfortunately, I think that a lot of companies are like, what's the quick, easy fix that looks like we care? <laughs> um, and so something that I'm seeing a lot is like, well, we got them a care.com membership or we have flex days off. And, and you know, my response to that always is like, well, one, that's not really solving the problem at all. That's like solving a symptom of the problem. That's actually creating more work for your female employees because now they have to like go find a nanny and make sure the protocols match and da, 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 da. 
But again, if you don't have that structure to your day, we're seeing that clients are still intervening constantly with the nanny because they're actually in the home with them. Whereas that wouldn't have, you know, maybe the little things that wouldn't have, it wouldn't have bothered them before because they wouldn't have been home and known. So they're still intervening. They're not using either time wisely because of that. And, and the flex days are good for when you're in a crisis. Like that is not a long-term sustainable solution. Um, with that, we do have clients. So there are people and companies who say like, yes, we understand that this is a problem and we understand that our parents are struggling. Um, so we do have clients who are working with us. Um, but the sense of urgency that I would hope is something that frustrates me because it, it's not there. And unless it's, you know, something I always reference is like, we knew inequity in the workplace due to race has always been there, but there was no urgency until Black Lives Matter this summer, right? Um, and so unfortunately, a lot of companies are like, unless this is a PR crisis, like, we're not going to invest in it. And quite frankly, it's, it's a very short sighted, because not only are they going to lose those employees, but they're losing incredibly valuable voices that make their companies thrive. And in the long term, is going to lose them a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And in terms of um, your own experience, have you, was this something that like, like how did you come to be so passionate about gender equity, both in the workplace and in terms of, you know, what the Yoga Alliance, uh, Youth Alliance Yoga does? Because that's a really, um, it's a real foundation of both of the, of the businesses that you run. Yeah. One more quick note about the corporation stuff. I do want to say, right, like we have clients, people do care, but what people are willing to put their money behind is we offer workshops. And so I think a lot of people are like, okay, this is quick, easy, and can get to a ton of people, which I do understand, like we want to reach as many people as possible. So that's something companies are willing to invest in. But those are helpful, but they're not, um, again, what's going to, create long-term sustainable solutions because they're they're we can't do super focused sort of stuff in a workshop i can't help you with like your husband's not helping you at all <laughs> in a workshop <laughs> um, which is quite frankly a lot of the conversations we have okay right. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a huge part right i mean it was you said it earlier but i think um i sometimes refer to my clients i say like put them partner back in partnership like you know just because you can do it all doesn't mean that you're supposed to or have to. And yes. <laughs> that inequity for sure shows up in more than I would have thought within the home. Absolutely. And it's, you know, if you don't have the skills to have those conversations in an objective, non-contentious way, like it's going to be this cycle of fighting. And so that's one of the things we really work on in our sessions is like how to have an objective conversation. And then we give them a tool to really do an inventory of who does what in the home so that it's not, well, I feel you do this, right? Like it's a black and white, no, look, like I legit do 75% of all of the work, which I'm okay with, but I would prefer if I could offload this, this, and this, this. Okay, how do we do that? And then how do we create consistency? And so like, those are the conversations we're having uh, with clients. So yeah. Uh, or they, on the flip side, realize like, oh, my partner did actually way more than I thought they did. And I appreciate that now. Um, right, right. Yeah. Okay, so why gender equity is the question? Yeah, or just like from your, like, where does your personal passion for this come from? Besides, obviously, you know, being a woman and yeah. having been in workplaces, but how did it kind of come to be 
so much a part of your personal mission? Yeah. I mean, it's my entire mission. It's literally everything that I do. So I like, everyone's like, oh, like, you're so busy. I'm like, I know, but like, well, it'd be boring if I wasn't. And also just like, it's, I mean, so I, I do a lot of things. One of the things I do is teach like introductory to gender justice. And my favorite thing is like watching students' eyes open up to how no other how shitty the world is sometimes and how patriarchy is like everywhere because I, I remember that feeling so well and when it's not that I didn't know it existed because I had seen it within my own life, but I didn't have the framework to understand why or how it existed. And I remember my first women's studies class in college and like that <sighs> moment and just and just feeling like, okay, I completely understand the world now. And I understand, you know, my own experiences within the world and which not that it justified or made any of those experiences okay, but it gave me a framework to have empathy for myself and to empathy for others in those circumstances. Um, so, I mean, that's like the foundation of being able to talk about it came from, you know, college first intro to women's studies class and then immediately just being like, I'm a very action driven person. So like, okay, we know this is a problem. What are we going to do? And like becoming president of every feminist organization on campus, like within five seconds of taking my intro class. And then it, it didn't stop from there. So um, my, my degrees are in women's history because I was really fascinated with understanding why we are where we are and, and making sure that we were giving voice to not only white dudes in history books and then continuing my activism through grad school. And then I became a teacher and that was more just a social just justice sort of framework. Like I know I'm doing good work, but I, I felt, I again felt like I, I was missing out on impacting women and girls. And so that's where the OG mission propel came from. Um, when I taught second grade, I was seeing a lot of issues within the the relationships with the girls in my class. And so I like started this like after school club and it was okay. And then I stopped teaching second grade and I started teaching high school and I founded a women's studies program in the high school. So I felt good about the work I was doing. Um, and then I was also put in charge of teaching a business class, which I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and so, you know, after teaching that for a year, um, I was like, why don't I take that, you know, program I had started two years ago when I was teaching second grade and turn it into something. And so that's where the idea for the original Mission Propel came from. I, I did a business plan on literally what my juniors were doing. Um, very basic over winter break. And then I went to Jill, who I had taught with. And I was like, hey, I have this idea. I think you could really help me with it because you have a lot of skills I don't. And then what was, it was called Smarty Pants Yoga. And then Mission Propel was born. So that was January 24th, uh, 2013. And what you, you alluded to sort of like what you see going on with girls, which I almost thought you were going to say like gets worse through high school, but like what is it that you feel like happens with those girls that mission that smarty first smarty pants and then you know the the youth program for yoga really addresses for them because I've got a daughter who's well now she's in fourth grade but yeah um, I think it's really interesting and maybe maybe not everybody can see kind of like 
what you're talking about is sort of the big picture and then where these tiny humans yeah. <laughs> are are playing it out. And so I'd love to hear kind of like what you saw and then what how that was um, the birth of that solution. Yeah. So, I mean, gender inequity and patriarchy, quite frankly, is everywhere. If you watch Stranger Things, I always say to my students, it's like the Demogorgon who's just seeping into every bit of your life. You don't always know that they're there. And so, you know, yes, we see it in high school and we see it in middle school and and we can say, oh, those relationships are fraught because of hormones or whatever. But the reality of it is, is the minute you become pregnant, quite frankly, everyone puts expectations as to who your kid is going to be, how they're going to act, how they're going to look, how they're going to dress. And that that starts, you know, before they come out of the womb. So realistically, by the time they're in kindergarten, they already have a pretty strong understanding of what their gender identity is supposed to be and how they're supposed to act within that role. And so understanding that as a second grade teacher, I was watching the girls interact on the playground. And I was like, why are we waiting until fifth grade when we know, you know, yes, hormones are a thing, but we know that relationships are already pretty fraught by that point, right? Like we already know that I remember how it feels to be in fifth grade. Like, and I'm sure, you know, your daughter is experiencing more complex relationships. And that's when we're giving them programming and tools. Like, why are we waiting until that point? So that's really where the idea came from like let's stop being reactive and really give them proactive tools so that when they get to fourth and fifth grade they're like okay like I have this conflict for a friend but I have the skills to manage that conflict so that I can build and foster positive relationships with my female peers rather than fall into this trope of like girls can't get along and all of these things that are quite frankly just like part of what is expected of gender roles Mm -hmm. That's a lot. I know. <laughs> I'll chew on that for a minute. No, yeah. but it's, it's it's true. And as you were talking, I was kind of thinking of of my own girl and you know how how they are and how they both express themselves as they were growing up and you know the different the different ways that and the expectations, as you said, that we have on them, whether they are in kindergarten or or middle school. Um, yeah, I, I mean it's it's even when they're toddlers. Like I have a son and a daughter, and it was, I have been incredibly mindful since the minute I found out I was going to have a son as to like how I wanted him to view the world and how I want him to understand how the world, if they view him in a certain way, how he can be reactive to that. And that was actually, his birth was a large part as to why we expanded our program to boys, because I really, like my goal in life is for him to be an incredible ally towards women to be an incredible advocate for all people. Um, And, you know, it's not on women to stop rape. It's on men to stop rape because they're the ones who are raping, right? It's like that mindset. So like we need to be teaching our boys how to be allies. Um, And one way of doing that is really building like emotional competency. And so since the minute he was born, like that's what I focus on all day, every day. He has really long hair. Everyone calls him. That's his choice because he was my hair is gorgeous. Um, he's three. Um, but you know, everyone calls him a girl. And, like it does not even phase him because that is not a bad thing in his world. But there are kids because now I'm running this preschool in his class who have told him, you can't be beautiful. You're a boy, but they're three, right? Like that expectation has already been set for them and they're getting that through media or whatever. But like kids very quickly pick up on that sort of stuff. So 
we think, oh, they're five, they're six, like they're just being exposed to this. They're not. Children see gender starting at six months and they understand their own gender starting around two and a half, three. So they've had some time to sit with it before they're ever getting to those points where they're starting to have complicated relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a long winded answer. <laughs> well, I'm curious. So I know that, um, from my own experience too, I understand how the yoga ties in with that, right. And the tools of kind of self um, reflection and, and yoga and, and the community that you build within that do any of those principles come over into the new mission propel and how you're handling equity and overwhelm and all of those things in you know in the women and the environments they're in yeah absolutely and i think that's one of the things that also differentiates us from like a typical consulting company in our fourth session of our coaching we we really work on like relationships with your kids because we recognize that they've been strained for a lot of people um, so one of our most popular workshops is on de-escalation and dysregulation for adults and kids. So we really talk through like, what's the physiological th- happenings in your body when you lose your shit on your kid? And how do you, um, I know that you've learned this through our registered children's yoga program, the flipping the lid with the hand and all that. Like we go through all of that and like, what tools can you utilize to calm your own self down? And how do you teach that to your own child? Um, so we definitely, it's very present in the work that we're doing because we recognize like equipping parents with those skills is also equipping their kids with those skills and a really big part of creating a sustainable, loving, chill home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would imagine that there's a lot of longevity in that too, right? So the pandemic may pass. We might all go back to some mm-hmm. version of whatever the new normal is, but but these inequities will persist. And so having these tools will still be really valuable, right? And having these conversations, maybe we will come out more enlightened from, the, from 2020. There's a positive. <laughs> yeah. That could be, that could be a, a positive. But I would imagine that, you know, this is, this is a long-term approach, right? For these women who are in positions of inequity, no matter what the external circumstance, even if they're back at work. Yeah. I mean, that's a conversation we're having now, right? Like this vaccine is around the corner. And what does this company look like once that happens? I agree with you. Like these are foundational skills every parent should have. I don't know how that's going to be delivered post-pandemic. Like that's something we're going to have to figure out. Um, But I hope that parents do recognize like, okay, life can go back to normal, but now I realize I didn't have these skills and it would be really good for me to have them, you know? Um, but I think that's one of those time will tell kind of things. I, I don't know. I hope though that parents, you know, we teach positive discipline. That's the framework for all of our classes. And that's something we really teach a lot about in, um, in our sessions. And, you know, I think when you learn that the world could be easier with your kid, you don't want to go back. So I hope people will want to continue to build and foster more positive relationships with their kids. Hi, it's Anya. Just popping in to remind you that doors are open for my small group coaching program, Journey to Joy. Why would you want to be in a small group coaching? Well, there's two ways to work with me. You can work with me one-on-one 
or in a small group. Instead of having a group coaching, which is you and 30 people hoping for five seconds of attention, this is a small group mentorship program. We'll be working together over the next six months to not only set goals and follow through on them, but find ways to integrate and feel good about the purpose and passion that we're igniting. If you're ready to awaken your creative energy, set goals from a place of love and worthiness, and you're craving a sisterhood of women who are all on a path toward their greater purpose, this could be for you. Send me a message or go to the link at www.anyarock.com forward slash journey to joy and apply for a spot in our six-month program. I'd love to connect with you and find out if this is right for you because you can do it alone, but you don't have to. What are three tips or what are three like breadcrumbs you would leave for the overwhelmed mom listening to this going, maybe I need this kind of coaching in my work. <laughs> what would be uh, three things they could, they could, or one big, like this, this one thing could really help you? Um, so, I mean, the biggest thing that I, I know seems very overwhelming, but the biggest thing is really having structure or schedule to your day. I don't know if you remember seeing on social media the day the pandemic started, everyone was like passing around this insanely color coordinated yeah. schedule, which <laughs> is not sustainable for most people. And, and that's okay, but you need to have some consistency and structure in your day. Um, so what I mean by that is you don't need down to the minute, but like having okay, every day from four to five, we go outside. From five to six is when we eat dinner. From six to eight is playtime if you had older kids. Whatever it is, because when you have that consistency in your routine, you're going to get so much less pushback. Um, so like I've talked to a lot of parents who are like, my kid refuses to go outside. And I'm like, okay, but is that a, a part of your routine every day? No. Well, they don't know that's expected of them. And maybe if I scream and yell today, I'm not going to have to go because we probably weren't going outside tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like having that consistency allows you to build routines and gives kids the awareness of what's expected of them. And when they have that, they then can succeed. But if you do not build that structure for them, they're just like flailing around, not knowing what's going on. Um, and, and I have a ton of empathy for kids when they don't know. We know what's going on in our day, but they don't. And to expect them to just be like, yeah, sure, whatever you want to do. Like, is not a realistic expectation. Um, the other, the other point I always make with parents around scheduling is like in your kid's classroom on their whiteboard, their teacher has from nine fifteen to nine, you know, forty five. We are doing reading. Like everything is spelled out for them. That's what they're used to. And if you don't give them that, then you can't expect them to, you know, thrive. Quite frankly. Um, so giving them that structure and routine is just so, 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 so important. Um, there are a ton of ways to do it with visuals. Uh, that's something that we teach a lot about on our, or on our social media. We usually, we post a lot of stuff around like, what is an example of a visual look like? You know, it doesn't have to look like Pinterest. Perfect. It could, you know, that sort of stuff. This is not labor intensive. Um, but having those tools really has a tremendous payoff and, um, makes everyone's lives easier. So structure is like number one most important thing. If you do have a caretaker, empower them to take care of your kid. So we recommend creating a guide 
that, you know, gives a detail. This is what their schedule looks like. Here's the language we use in our home. Um, so if you do use positive discipline, what that sounds like, literally like giving them key phrases, for example, you know, thank you, G, you're being a great listener because you just cleaned up or whatever, like give them language you want them to use. If you have little toddlers and they have their own little coded language, give them some decoding of said language, what they eat for lunch, all of the things they need to succeed so that they can succeed and you're not intervening so that you can actually get work done is a really also important tool if you do have caretakers. Those are brilliant. I think especially the structure piece, because I know even as adults, we crave it. We just yeah. you know, we crave routine. We crave some sort of, we know what to expect is coming next, which is I think why this year has been so challenging. And, you know, we talk about in our house how our kids are, you know, we just, the more that we can reassure them, the more that we can just say to them, like, yes, there's lots of things changing, but it's all good. It's all okay. Cause they hear and see, right. And then feel our anxiety. Um, and so the more, I mean, I feel like we all just want like some, <laughs> some predictability for a little while. Absolutely. And it's also, right. It's comfort. It's safety knowing I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to play. I'm going to have my breakfast. I'm going to do this, you know, like just knowing, especially in this unpredictable time, you know, you don't know if grandma is going to be able to visit you or, you know, like there's so much, if you can provide them that structure, then you're giving them what they need in the immediate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you are one busy lady, as you said, you've got mm-hmm. like, you're teaching, you're running two businesses, you've got toddlers and a baby on the way. Mm-hmm. So two questions. The first and is- And I'm running for school board. <laughs> I still have today, actually. Yeah. What's one more thing on your plate? Yeah. <laughs> um, so what does self-care look like for you these days? Um, so my normal self-care when I'm not pregnant is working out, but- Uh, that doesn't exist right now, quite frankly. Um, But yeah, I mean, for me, I always make sure that I have time for myself. um, And my partner, he understands that. And I give the same back to him. Like I know what he needs for him to fill himself up. So we respect that, you know, we each need that. So for me right now, that's like sleeping in because I'm just, I know what's coming and I want to take what I can. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, and, and like in the middle of the night, like if my son wakes up or whatever, like he takes care of all of that. I don't do a thing anymore in the middle of the night because we both know like I'm going to be the one up in the middle of the night. So, um, and not feeling bad about that. Like I'm very okay. Like, and our dog pees in the middle of the night every day. Like he's up all the time. And so self-care is, I don't, you know, I feel bad for you, but I don't feel bad that I'm sleeping. <laughs> um, so sleeping has been really great. Um, and I love trashy TV. And so that for me is my self-care right now. Post baby, it'll be working out. And and quite frankly, doing all of these things is my way of like doing me, you know, like running this campaign is fun for me. I know that is weird to most people, but like it, it means I'm building connections with people and I'm, you know, learning more about my community and that's fun for me. I also have been working a lot around policing in my community. And so I've been doing, oh, that's like what my weekends are, you know, but that, again, that is fun for me. Yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, what I do for self-care. Well, that ties right into the second question, which is 
the Rock Your Joy podcast is really about celebrating women who are finding joy no matter, you know, what uh, crazy circumstances we find ourselves in. So how are you cultivating joy these days? What's bringing you joy? I mean, I understand that there are horrific things going on in this world. Uh, People are dying and, you know, our political system makes me very sad. (laughs) Um, And while doing things to shift those, the political system is one way that I like feel in control in my immediate home. Like I feel joy that we're all together. And that's, I say all of the time to like my husband and my kids, like, this is pretty awesome that we get to spend so much time together. Like, I really like you guys. I like being with you. And my husband and I talk about a lot, like when things go back to normal, like it's going to be really sad. I mean, it's going to be great because, you know, it breaks my heart that my son's like, I want to go to the aquarium. And we're like, when do we all get a shot? We get, you know, like I'm excited for that conversation to end. But the fact that we get to be together every day and like, my husband actually, I mean, he was obviously a huge part of their life before, but for what, an hour and a half every day during the week? Like they go to us equally now because they see us as equal parents because we, I mean, we were equal parents the best we could be given their circumstance before. But like at the end of the day, I was the one around. So I was their default parent. Like that's not the case anymore. If they're hurt, they don't just run to me. They go to him because why wouldn't they, you know? So it's, I find, I love that. And I just think it's pretty great. And since the pandemic, like my husband and I used to bicker about, you know, the house, like not being clean or whatever. Like we don't do that anymore because we're actual equal partners. So I find so much joy in that because he can do equal things with me because he's home. Like it's amazing. So I'm having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think there's lots of people re-evaluating what works for them in a good way too. So I love that. I would stay like this forever if I could, but it would be nice, you know, to once in a while put on clothes and go to a restaurant, you know, like, (laughs) but if I wish we could both, he could always work from home. And I think it's awesome. Good. Well, I'm glad to see you're bringing so much joy. It sounds like it's a joyful place to be. And lots of dance parties. Yes. Well, toddlers are the key to dance parties. I love it. Yeah. We just got a disco ball. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, thank you for being on and for sharing your story. And we're going to put all of your links in the show notes. So um, people want to reach out to both Mission Propel and or watch your journey as you pivot again, which I'm sure you will both do beautifully because you're both uh, very smart, sassy women. So I know you'll, you will. Do the pivot with with um with grace, and I look forward to watching. <laughs> Thank you, and um yeah. So if you want to follow along for the equity consulting sort of stuff, that's Mission Propel. If you want yoga stuff, that's Yoga Youth. <laughs> Sorry, see, I don't even. It's so new to me. Youth Alliance Yoga. Yay! Um, we have our registered children's yoga program coming up in January again. And I just want to thank you for being so incredibly supportive of that program and making sure that, you know, women who don't always have the opportunity to enroll in, you know, trainings have the opportunity to do so. So thank you. It's my pleasure. I knew immediately that there was a need and I could help. And I just thought having been through the program, I really think that um, the more people that have the ability 
to work with kids in that way, you know, the more people we can affect in a positive way. So I'm really happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> great. Well, it was great to see you. Enjoy the rest of your day and thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. Feeling inspired and want to share the joy? Leave a review so others can find the podcast more easily. Want to hang out more with me? You can find me on the interwebs at www.anyarock.com. That's A-I-N-E-R-O-C-K. And I'm also on Instagram at Anya underscore rock your joy. Till next time, rock your joy. This episode was produced by Dante32.